You are listening to the Contemplative Motherhood Podcast. My name is Chelsea. I'm a teacher, practitioner, spiritual director, and pilgrim. And I'm Erin, a creative, homeschool educator, counselor, and spiritual seeker. Listen in as we dive deeper into the contemplative lifestyle through hearing about each of our lives. You'll hear our triumphs, failures, practices, and mistakes as we journey together. You might even hear a kid or two in the background. So grab some coffee, tea, curl up, and take off your shoes. You are welcome here. Now let's get started. Hello, friends. Thank you again for being here with me today. I am your host, Erin Thomas. It is just me, myself, and I. That's all I got. In a spinoff or bonus content episode, um, what we're calling the Contemplative Child. I am excited to be here with you today to talk about this particular subject matter. Um, One of my favorite things to talk about is how important rhythms and routines are for children in general. And so last week was our first episode, and to recap, we went a little bit over what it meant to parent with the push and pull of our parental emotional capacity. That's not, like, at all a super heavy topic, right? Why not start and dive right in? But in so many words, um, it, we talked about how we can simply um, and effectively place an emphasis on the contemplative lifestyle and how to be a listening companion with our children in their time of spiritual development. So... Um, if you haven't had an opportunity to listen to that, that is a great prerequisite for what we're going to talk about today. If you have been a fellow listener of the Contemplative Motherhood podcast, um, which I hope that you have been, (laughs) then you have heard myself and my co-host, Chelsea, who is currently taking, um, an academic sabbatical. That's what I like to call it. Um, And we talked about one of our favorite episodes was um, creating rituals, transforming our rhythms and routines. This was huge for us individually, but also we found that this was a big deal for you guys. It was one of our highest rated episodes, and it was also the number one downloaded episode of our first season. And so if you haven't listened to that then put that on your queue because that is a great springboard for what we're going to talk about today. So today I want to elaborate a little bit on the child-focused lens of this rituals, rhythms, and routines. I mentioned this to you in our prior episode that the goal for the contemplative child is to change our shift in just a little bit and put a little bit more emphasis on the child-focused form of the contemplative lifestyle. And I've heard so many funny comments about this, you guys. Um, Even Chelsea, I know you're listening right now. Um, I'm laughing because she's like, yes, please tell me how to um, teach my three boys, young boys, how to be contemplatives. 
Um, I don't want to give you an agenda that's like unattainable. (laughs) So um, that's not the point of this particular expanded version of the Contemplative Motherhood podcast. Um, But if we talk about a little bit of what that episode was, the rituals, rhythms, and routines episode in our first season, it was to we were challenged to find anchors in our day. Anchors is a favorite word of mine. Um, maybe you use something else. Uh, maybe it's um, moments. Maybe it's special time. Maybe it's a rhythm, um, a point of rhythm where it kind of comes to a head. And for me, um, you're, you're more than welcome to research this, but one of my favorite things about um, having a background in education was learning about some of these former educational philosophies. And the Waldorf philosophy talked about a lot of the breathing in and out portions of our day. And so for me, that concept evolved with my children in our homeschool day as anchors, opportunities when we shifted from either breathing in or breathing out, activities that involved more exertion or activities when we needed to absorb and refresh and recharge. Um, On our motherhood episode, Chelsea shared her experience of doing this at mealtime. And I think a lot of this do this at that time. Maybe that's the time when you say a particular prayer or you go around and talk about your day. We also do this, uh, a lot of people do this, at bedtime routine or maybe at, at the breakfast table. And for our family, this has really been defined as a sacred moment where our listening and invitation of the divine is prevalent. We ask God to be present with us and we are intentionally present with each other. And that is the wheelhouse. That is the template that we are looking for. And so in a fun twist of events this week on social media, I asked many of you what sort of habits you had begun instilling in your children. And this sort of varied Uh, based off of where your children were in development, right? So I may need to teach my teenage boy how to shower more frequently and use deodorant as to whether I may teach my toddler the habit of brushing our teeth before bed. And so I loved so many of these responses. And I found that a lot of them involved stereotypical things that you would think of with routines, right? Like hygiene, cleanliness, taking care of ourselves, stewarding our environment or picking up our room. Um, This looked different whether you, um, for a lot of my friends, I am a homeschool mom. And so that looked like some school activities. For others, maybe it looked like I need to pack my backpack at a certain time or um evening devotions as a family or evening time as a family or game night as a family. Um, These were all just intentional times in which we were fully present with each other. And in a beautiful caveat, we are fully present with the divine. Whether we notice this or not is the key. And so as I kind of looked over this, I saw that there were moments of times like, diaper changes and car rides, bedtimes, um, 
mundane activities, right? Moments of ordinary that I saw can become extraordinary with intentional action. As parents, we have some of these similar routines, right? We maybe do house chores at a specific time of day. We do this at work. Um, we have specific things that we do when we arrive at work in the morning. Um, sometimes it involves certain times that we do laundry. And these are sort of the things we fleshed out in our motherhood episode. But I want to talk a little bit about what that looks like to flesh out a rhythm and routine template in our children and how that can become a ritual. Um, And also, you'll find a little bit more about what ritual means in that episode of the Motherhood Podcast. But today, I'm going to put a little twist on it and flesh out what that looks like for our children. So some of you may be familiar with British educator Charlotte Mason. Um, Some of you may not. If you aren't, I highly recommend reading her work. Um, it surfaced, she surfaced around the turn of the 20th century and she talked about habits a lot and how those were rails or, um, anchors for teaching our children very important things early on in their lives. And what happens is this leads to a more apt opportunity to a, better quality home life, a rich environment for learning, a rich environment for spiritual development. And for her, being an educator, this set the stage for many future educational endeavors for our kids. Um, But I think that there's more to this, and I want to talk about this a little bit today. I share this because I think that this sincerely applies to so much of what we navigate with our children when it comes to spiritual formation. What we emphasized in the motherhood portion of this episode was that this was an opportunity to create a ritual. And this is kind of a word that's been used in different contexts. Um... But to give you a little bit of a summary of how we used it in our prior episode was that this particular time evolved in something that had more sacred meaning. And we found that this was an extraordinary opportunity to connect with the divine in a mundane activity that we may do personally, as a family, or with our children. And so I'm going to share a little bit um, personally. As a, in my professional life, I have been a child development nerd. I absolutely love to study the development of a child and the lifespan of a child into adulthood and what this looks like, not only in the physical context, but what this looks like in a spiritual context. And as I have spent my life's work studying through these different facets of development, I realized that This is often a timeline and a template to show us where we can create space or margin for spiritual connection opportunities. 
And so, like we've said, many of us have routines with our children. We may talk on the car on the way to school. We talk after pickup. We have a late night snack time. Things that we do every day that have become opportunities that could have quality spiritual dialogue and sacred listening experiences with our children. And this doesn't mean to that you have to enforce your children to have this time with you, right? Like, don't think of this as a dogmatic doctrine type situation. Um, be mindful, of course, of what sort of emotional space um, that your child is in at that time. If pickup time is a time when your child is tired and just not really looking to engage in any sort of conversation that has any elements of productivity in it, then that may not be the time for you guys. But if we are creating that intentional margin for listening, then it's very possible and quite an easy evolution for this to involve into a spiritual practice with your children. Now, we've discussed a little bit about what spiritual direction is in adults, and I touched briefly on what spiritual direction for children looked like in our prior episode. And I used the template and the conversation and work of Lacey Finborgo, um, who I adore almost everything, well, everything that she puts out. Um, and she talks about spiritual direction with, uh, with our children is being their listening companion. And frankly, this is exactly what spiritual direction looks like as an adult. Um, We are looking to have and walk alongside as a listening companion in a spiritual context. But, you know, this doesn't start out that way. And so I think it's important for us not to put this on a pedestal. Let me give you an example. I think that's going to help a little bit more to see how this process happens. So to tell a little bit of a story, my children and I used to live near a large city. And often for certain appointments, we would have to sit in traffic for longer periods of time. And being near a large metropolis and in a lot of traffic, we often saw wrecks or ambulances that would pass by. And I kind of noticed that my children started noticing this first. Um the flashing lights, just the whole thing was very um, alerting to them. And so this became a moment that gave us the opportunity to notice what was going on around us, talk about it. And then we decided over time, after talking about how scary that could be, um, maybe fear is, often fear is an opportunity um, when we notice this in our children, to to bring peace and invite them into a peaceful space. So we began to talk to the divine, to talk to God. I use the word pray because for our family, that is the word that we use to have conversation with God. And so we began to pray to God for the people in whatever ambulance we saw. We didn't know their names. We didn't know a lot about them. But now, years later, this is something that they do on their own, no matter where we are. 
Another example is I run a small nature group. Um, and we, if you've heard of forest school, it's very similar. We have a time of morning gathering, and this is for children of all ages and all faiths. And this particular time is before our lessons. It's before any sort of teaching or forced activities. Um, it is not that time. It is more to welcome the children to be present with us here at, at school. And so oftentimes we take a moment to share a noticing. That's what we call it from the week. We take a moment to close our eyes and we listen to what we hear around us. We notice oftentimes that children use this as a quiet time. Some use this as a time to hear nature or birds. Others decide over a longer period of time to use this for silence, meditation, or prayer. And so this isn't dumbed down for our children. We provide them the margin and the space for this mindfulness moment. My children in our home have come to know these as sacred listening moments. And that's really just because their mom enjoys giving them words for things. Um, But it also gives them a point of reference. And they know this is a time when they listen specifically for anything that they feel present with or that God is showing them. Later on, this has been a time in which my oldest has decided to journal or to pray for specific things that are on his heart. Um, There are various elements of this. And so rather than feel this incredibly heavy mantle of spiritual responsibility, we shift our mindset to being a companion with our children and what the divine is already doing in their lives rather than implementing our own agenda. And I say this, that this isn't to diminish in teaching moments at all. Uh, if you've been listening to Chelsea and I for a while, you know that we both have teacher hearts through and through. Everything is always a teaching moment. Um, but I find that some of the best teaching moments are when the environment for learning is present. The practice or the discipline is presently occurring And the contemplative lifestyle happens as an overflow of this process. And so in sort of a wrap-up for today, I encourage you not to be overwhelmed with this transformation process of taking our children's routines and making them some grandiose, sacred um, opportunity that we feel like we can't quite hit the mark. But rather, if we shift this mindset of being a companion with our children, of what the divine is already doing in our lives, and using the template of the anchors in our day, then I think we'll find that there are extraordinary opportunities for us to connect with our children, for them to connect with us, And for them to connect with the divine in a very childlike, beautiful way. And so our quote for the day is from educator Maria Montessori, who did a great work in the realm of holistic child education. In a lecture in 1946, Maria said, 
we must study the profound and mysterious psychology of the little child, observe its development, and find what we can do to help. And so our practice for this week, take a few minutes to evaluate your day with your children. Find one mundane activity or routine that may provide a springboard for sacred conversation and sacred listening. Maybe you pick a spiritual discipline or a practice such as listening to God, listening for God. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's silence. Maybe it's meditation. There is a plethora of things out there to do. Um, But try this two or three times this week with your child. Then, at the end of the week, go back and do an inventory. See how this has felt in your day, if it's felt natural or unnatural, and if it's begun to feel like a ritual or a sacred moment, then continue. If not, maybe a different time or practice, um, but consult the divine about this particular uh, opportunity. And then see what fleshes out and what sacred space for connection is provided. Thank you for joining me on the second episode of The Contemplative Child, and I look forward to talking with you guys again soon. Have a great week. Thank you again for joining us today on The Contemplative Motherhood Podcast with us, your host, Aaron Thomas and Chelsea Whipple. To get regular updates on our podcast, hear new episode drops, interact with us about past and future episodes, and find our show notes, make sure to go to our website, www.contemplativemotherhood.org. As always, we appreciate your support of this podcast and in helping us share our journey with others. So if you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure to subscribe rate, and leave us a review. This helps us to cross paths with other pilgrim mamas across the board. So until next time.